2: Welcome to the show. As you know, it's Thursday. This is the date day edition of the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is the Word to Stand Them for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, life questions, anything and everything that's going on. And especially, ladies, for you today, you can pretty much get answers about anything because Paul is here and she's doing great. So we'd love to have you call. You can dial 210 210- If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free kslr mobile app just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen and you will be connected directly to our studio producer paula welcome to the show
3: thank you i have something to say to you what happy anniversary <laughs> number 49
2: yeah we've been together 51 and a half years
3: 51 and a half years uh, on monday on monday mm-hmm.
2: okay and and married 49 today yes what do you remember about that Saturday? It was a Saturday that we got married.
3: Okay, yeah, I remember. I think we called a few people because we were planning on having a wedding, but then it, all those details just kind of it didn't work out. And so I think we called everybody that day, that Saturday, kind of like at, around noon. Okay, we're getting married today at four o'clock. Hope you can make it. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it was in a in a a huge church. And six of our family members, well, let me say, your family members, showed up. And, uh, yeah, I, I had made my dress and made your tie. Um, we were pitiful, but we, we got married. Now, was, you were
2: pregnant. Yep. And barely showing. Barely. At that point. Uh-huh. But it was just, we knew the right thing to do. Now, neither one of us were believers. That's right. And we knew the right thing to do. We got a baby coming. We got to be married. Got to give a mom and a dad. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: You know, I wonder sometimes, Paula, why people don't think like that now. They do. It's just a matter of denying that. It's like, you know, I I know I have a conscience. Because we all know what's right and what's wrong. Because the Holy Spirit, whether you're saved or not, which we were not, the Holy Spirit's they're knocking on your door saying, you know the right thing to do. You know the right thing to do, and so you know you've been living wrong. And though for me, I had like kind of excuses. I had been abandoned by my mom, and I tried to live with one of my cousins, and and she had revolving boyfriends, and you know that was not comfortable. Now what do I do? Where do I go? You know.
2: I, I remember the thought process because we talked about it. Well, well you know, Paul, and, and at this time we were living together in an apartment. When we got married. Yeah. But but to get to that place it was well you know we're, we love each other we're going to get married you don't have a place to stay so so this is the right thing to do mm-hmm. and we tried to convince ourselves yeah. but the truth is we just wanted to do that yeah. And, yeah. And, and we did it anyway but then when when Ronnie's pregnancy came along um, it was just we just knew mm-hmm. that, that he needed a mom and a dad a husband
3: and a wife yep. two that were committed one to each other that would be committed to him. Yeah. And so, you know how we have our testimony. And I can, with full confidence, tell the young ladies, um, you don't know your value, because I definitely did not know mine. Um, but um, you know the right thing to do. And, you know, I was blessed because when we found out that I was pregnant, you were the one most excited. That mm-hmm. is not a normal not really all that normal (laughs) a lot of times when the the guys who you know they want to
2: i was an unemployed college student how could you not be excited
3: (laughs) (laughs) something good was going to happen i guess but um yeah no i'm looking back i was really blessed because a lot of times when they find out pregnant that means responsibility i'm out of here you you're the one carrying the baby you find some ways to take care of I was just playing house, and you were participating. And, oops, okay, you, you better get your mom to play mom, not only to you but to that baby as well.
2: <laughs> but you know, we never considered abortion or uh, no. anything at all like no. that. It's no, just no, no. we just knew we were committed to one another, yeah. and now we were committed to to uh, what was going to be our son, Ronnie. We yeah. didn't even know it was a boy at that time, no. uh-uh. but uh, we just knew we had to do it. And um, boy, did. God ever hold us together against impossible
3: odds, huh? You know, he used that because when I first met you, I heard that voice say, this is the one for life. Not understanding that at all. Um, But, yeah, you're the one for life. And we tried to mess it up several times. And even getting pregnant with Ronnie was one of those things that kept us together. So, yeah, it's a good day. Even though you're leaving me. Yeah.
2: God uses even the bad things to accomplish his, his good. Uh, yeah. I told you this morning, I just thought, you know, imagine, Paula, how we must have broken God's heart. You know, he lives outside of time and space. He knows the end from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And imagine when I knocked on your door and we fell in love and then instantly we started doing things the, right, the wrong way. The wrong way. And, and um, then we, we, we had a baby coming and then uh, we got married and then another child came. And um, like you said earlier, we, we did our best to mess things up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I said to you, imagine how God's heart must have been broken. And then he would look at us and say, well, oh, well, I've got plans for these kids. Yeah,
3: yeah. Because Acts seventeen twenty six, he saw that as well, where we're going to be in a situation or you know, where I'm crying out, where's the love? And he was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. My plan is coming into action. Um, where I'm like, where's the love that I, I keep hearing about? I don't see it. Don't feel it. You know? And then I hear that voice, that same voice that said, this is the one for life. What kind of life? You know, that's what I'm saying. What kind of life is this? And, and But I love you, always have, always will. <laughs> and if you will surrender to me, i got a plan. Can okay,
2: you? let me ask you a question that I'm asked a lot. Okay. Okay.
3: Hope I can answer it with some intelligence. Come on, Lord, help me.
2: You can. Okay. The the, the question, so he starts off with a statement. The statement is, well, Pastor Ron, we can see how you fell in love and why you fell in love with Paula. (laughs) But why did she fall in love with you? There's the
3: question. (laughs) Well, I just thought you were the cutest thing, Uh, but I wasn't looking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was doing something. I didn't hear what you just said. Would you repeat that? you got big old (laughs) earphones on your head. You heard me. But, no, I just thought you were the cutest thing ever. When you came to my front door, you had on those blue jeans and this gold T-shirt with little white pinstripes going across ways. And um, it was for school.
2: I was thin enough then that I could wear horizontal stripes.
3: You were so cute. And your little blonde hair and those blue eyes just was like, oh, my goodness, what just happened? I wasn't looking for this. Why is this happening? Paula was looking for tall, dark,
2: and Denzel, and here comes short and stubby me.
3: You weren't stubby. You were short. But (laughs) eye level, a little bit, you were perfect for me. And the Lord said, this is the one for life. And I was like, because I didn't know it was the Lord. Of course, then I was like, "Who is talking to me? What is this?" But yeah, so here we are, fifty-one and a half years later. On September twentieth, yeah, because we met March twentieth, nineteen seventy. Amazing, yeah, just absolutely amazing.
2: What do you, What are your most profound memories of our early years together?
3: Well let me see our most my most profound i don't i have i don't know my most profound they've all been kind of
2: well i shared yesterday about the, our 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 first real date out of outside your house yeah. <laughs> was at newport beach the uh-huh. day after mm-hmm. th- Mar- on on march 21st <laughs> and then um um i said spoke yesterday about about you singing
3: yeah
2: and me thinking this girl's an angel <laughs> she's beautiful she's hot and and now she can sing. My goodness, what else is there?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So, do you have are, any of those kind of memories of me?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was so thankful when I saw that the elderly gentleman with the with the plaid oh. shorts. You know, even though I thought it was cute, I'm, I was thinking in my head, you know, as cute as they are, you know, I wanted us to grow old together. But that you will never, <laughs> you will never wear those plaid shorts. Up to right up under your chest, and those the knee high dark socks with sandals. It's not happening, <laughs> but that we would grow old together. I remember saying that and and thinking, um, in the early days, I really believe that I asked you to marry me, with one of my little cousins, you know, kind of sitting in between us or something. That that seems like I asked you. How weird is that, huh? That's just so backwards. Yeah,
2: I don't remember some of the stuff you remember, yeah. so I can't mm-hmm. tell you. Yeah. So another question I asked you this morning. I said, you know, Paula, if 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 those forty-nine years ago
3: yeah.
2: or fifty-one years ago, mm-hmm. if somebody would have shown me a picture of what you look like on September sixteenth, twenty twenty one. And said, okay, this is what you're going to get. That's what you're in for the long haul. What do you think about that? I would have said, ooh, let's get married quicker. (laughs) I mean, this girl is
3: beautiful. Let's get married even quicker. Mm.
2: Okay, what would you think? I
3: would say, okay. (laughs) 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 Okay. What did you want me to say? Ooh, yeah. Well I, <laughs> well, I was hoping you'd be a little
2: more excited than that, but that's okay. No. I'll take okay. You can't take it back now.
3: We're married. <laughs> yeah. What you say? I'm stuck with you? You're stuck. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> it's okay. I'm loving it. And I love the new hairdo. So oh. we talked about that today, too, when we looked at some old pictures. Yeah. yeah.
2: We we picked up the speaker, Gino, yeah. uh, Gino Geraci, at the airport. And he had a hard time recognizing me because he remembers the Ron with the flat top, uh-huh. and uh, so when we're looking at showing the family picture, he says, "That's the Ron I remember." So mm-hmm. um, um, we all change.
3: We all change. Yeah, we all change. But not your eyes, and not your lips, and the the thing I'm loving—we're changing because, as we know Jesus, we're becoming more like Him and less like who we used to be. And though I fell in love with you it was more outwardly but i'm loving the inward one well, now why more.
2: would you fall in love with me outwardly because
3: you are cute, cute. You're... <laughs> yeah you're cute and the another thing that there's a couple of things that really keep me attracted to you um is you're a neat clean guy Ooh. i absolutely love that i don't have to worry about picking up clothes after you um, we don't have Dirty dishes in the sink. Um, What's the one thing you you say about me the most? You always smell so. good. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. So don't mess with the baby powder and the old spice combination. Just don't <laughs> that. I love that you're a neat, clean guy and you smell yeah, good. Ivory soap. Yeah, and and you take care of your your feet, fingernails. I mean, you just perfect for me. So. <laughs> And, and you're the style king. I always tell them. People ask me now, uh, did you dress yourself, or do you buy Pastor Ron's clothes and stuff? I'm like, oh no, and that's men and women who are asking me. I was like, no, he's the style king. Mm-hmm. So if ever I look halfway decent, it's because he dressed me.
2: Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have any questions about anything at all, three four zero ninety five eighty five. Um, Paula, you said that I'm ditching you. We're going to our men's retreat uh, that starts, in, and we actually kick off at 8 o'clock tonight.
3: Yeah, the guys start at 4.30 for registration in about 14 minutes, yeah. if they can get there. Yeah. yeah, we were just told. Everybody can pray, please. We are just told that Highway 281
2: just north of Johnson City is completely shut down wow. because of a major accident. And, and uh, some of our guys were calling and texting uh, about how difficult it was, and trying to find alternate routes. And once you get out there, there isn't much in the way of an alternate route. The good thing is, once you get to Johnson City, it's not much farther to go to Camp Buckner, where we're going. Okay,
3: Well just please keep our guys safe. Please keep them safe, Lord. Okay. We have a phone call.
2: We got a phone call here. Got Harold on line one from San Antonio. Harold, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
4: Hello, Pastor Ron. Uh, and Paula. I'm off today. Hi, so Harold. I had a chance to call before hi. Before hi. the uh four thirty deal. Yeah, hi. Oh and I do have my thoughts on. I don't know if I I don't know if I'm that clean or not. But there's a couple of things I wanted to ask or just one thing I wanted to ask <laughs> and something else I I observed over the last few weeks about some callers or about some uh or something like that questions. Uh the one of the things in the old days, like in the eighties, it used to be like for instance Brother Bob, brother, say, brother Ron, and it seems like now it's all pastor this and pastor camp and pastor so and so. That's just one little thing I've noticed different. And uh, I was going to say that I that you've had a few callers uh, that had said you know they're angry with the church, they're mad at the church, and this and that and the other. And you know, quite frankly, you know, we went through that about 1985 for so all did not open the Bible. I'm not saying I was mad at the world, but I just missed out on it. And one of the things that I just want, it's a, it's, it's a self-thought, because I don't know what the people are thinking when they're upset. But in your case, you, they have a pastor that will answer questions and take questions and take calls while he's not even at church or while he's not pastoring. And I just was curious. I don't know how I would ever find out these people that are so upset are they not getting through to their pastor or is their pastor not getting through to them will they not listen to a question that maybe as they go by or they try to talk i know back in the 80s uh it was like that i had a question about uh ezekiel i had a question about this and that and the church was um uh avenue baptist church and that was way back in the old days my grandmother used to go there so anyway the that was my thoughts, and these people, these nice people that are being angry, I, I, I promise, you know, if you read your Bible, if you even if you open it, and somebody walks in the room or you're at work, at least you got it open. Maybe an hour later, you'll have a chance to go back. But if you don't start with that book open, it ain't never going to get open. So anyway, this is a little bit different because I'm wow. sitting home at my desk, and I'm a little more calm, so I'll let you run and listen to the rest, Okay.
2: Thank you, Harold. Appreciate it very, very much. A couple of things I'd like to comment on. You know, we we have unfortunately created um, in the last thirty years um, a consumer mentality toward church. You know, churches have taken the approach that we've got to find out what will make people happy and keep them in the seats. And and when we we pander to that, we turn them from servants into consumers and they're always looking for churches that meet their needs and of course church people are always going to to uh, to to disappoint us and so you do find people getting angry it's almost like well i expect this i expect that and i think harold we forget that we are servants of the most high god um i i think that the condition of our heart is revealed if we get upset or offended by something that happens in church then um, the result is, is, is often that God is exposing our heart. And, uh, you know, we've got to be gracious forgivers, eager forgivers. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, we're not teaching people the Bible anymore, and I'm saying, speaking generally. Uh, we're not teaching people the Bible anymore. We're not giving them a chance to, to, to counter their flesh And um, I I think one of the things that we really need to understand is that we need to go to church. And I try to hammer this through our people here at Calvary Chapel. Um, Every day, our our ministry is to serve somebody else. It's not about us, ever. And if we understand that, then we can't be disappointed. And God is always pleased. And I think sometimes, as the Lord reveals the true condition of our heart, uh, we don't like what we see. And I think unless we're teaching the Word um, line upon line, precept upon precept, uh, we're not instructing people how to deal with their flesh. And flesh is insatiable in its appetite. Harold, thank you very, very much. I appreciate the comments a lot. Do you have anything you want to add before we go to another phone call?
3: You know, I, I've heard of some churches, they have pulpit pastors where they just come in the back door, teach, and then leave back out that same door without interacting with yeah, the people that, at all
2: yeah that's actually the mega church model oh wow we, we create celebrities and those people are, are distant and untouchable mm-hmm. and that is the farthest thing from a biblical concept of a of a pastor
3: yeah in fact we um, we've had a couple of pastors come and stay at our home and um, they wanted to know um, how and why we did things the way we did because they had been told um, in their up Bringing as becoming pastor and pastor's wife, not to interact with the people of the church. And that was just something that you and I, we never could understand. In fact, I got a, a card in the mail today um, because I, a few weeks ago I asked for pictures to go on the prayer wall. And today, thank you, Miss Margaret and Natalie. I received your picture in the mail today, and you guys are beautiful. But we want to be involved in the people's lives so that we can have credibility with them to say, um, you know, I love you, but I'm watching your life and um, yeah. it's not matching up with what God's word says. I'm not saying that about you, Margaret and Natalie, but I'm just saying that we are part of their lives. gives us, like mom and dad, look, we want we want better for you. And so if we're untouchable, we don't really care about the people. And the Lord has put us... Um, like Paul, I'm willing to spend and be spent, which is what you've been Mm -hmm. saying quite a bit here lately.
2: I I think that's what's created this celebrity preacher culture, and and it really elevates one person over another, and that is also contradictory to what the Bible teaches. Thank you, Harold. I appreciate it very, very much. We've had Mike holding online too. Mike, thank you for your patience. You were on the air.
5: Yes, thank you for giving me a chance to try to get this cleared up, I have a question about uh, uh, Exodus uh, when Moses re- was returning to Egypt. Uh, Exodus chapter 4, verses 20, 25 and 26. I don't know if I'm jumping out of context, then, but I've always had a question about those verses. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I get a lot of questions about those, Mike, so you're not the only one. What do you want to know? Uh,
5: uh, I just was trying to understand what the uh, connection was between the uh, circumcision and, and the fact that the, it says in verse 24, and it came to pass by the way, in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, are they, was he talking about he was going to kill Moses or was he going to kill Moses' son?
2: Yeah, the, 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 the answer, he was going to kill Moses because uh, it's a principle Jesus spoke about. He said, to whom much is given, much more is required. And Moses was given more than anybody. And what we find here in this, just this little section it says at a lodging it starts in verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zippor, his wife, who was not a Jew, took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. And the bridegroom of blood is a reference to circumcision. So here's what was going on, Mike. Um, um, Moses knew that Jews needed to be circumcised. And God would have spoken to Moses. Moses had been called. Uh, he, Moses was accountable. He spoke directly to Jesus on the mountain in the burning bush. And um, Moses had an, an important responsibility, but that requires obedience. And Moses didn't get a pass on being obedient. And because he didn't want to rock the boat at home, in other words, he wasn't really leading his home effectively. Um, uh, he was being rebellious. He wasn't uh, having his sons circumcised as he was instructed to. So, because he was given great responsibility, the Lord was there and was about to kill him and his wife, um, in protest, uh, in disgust, really. Remember, circumcision uh, was considered um, um, horrible uh, outside of, of uh, the Jewish culture. And um, and she just wasn't on board. And, and Moses was not effectively leading. And basically what Jesus is saying to him, how could you lead my people if you're not even leading your home? And Mike, there's such a wonderful application there for for those of us. Men are to lead the homes. And if you've been given a responsibility by God, but you're not fulfilling a responsibility at home, then God's not going to be able to use you. Now, he's not going to kill you, but he's not going to be able to use you. Uh, God got what he wanted. I'm sure Moses and Zipporah learned their lesson, but this was just a matter of of being a, a consistent leader uh, in the Lord. Mike, thank you very, very much. I hope that helps. You can go to calvaryessay.com. You can get my notes on that passage online if you want to as well. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the date day show, 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand up for life. We'll be back in two minutes.
0: Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Welcome back to the program. 30 minutes left in the day. 340-9585.
3: Paula, what do you want to talk about now? Well, you know, because the men's retreat is here. um, And you guys, you didn't get to have yours last year. Yeah. yeah. For, tell you how precious the ladies are, or maybe, maybe more needy. Because <laughs> yeah. we had ours two years ago. The weekend, that weekend, and then COVID broke loose. And so, and then by the time this year came around, we were just able under, you know, government okay to have our retreat again. But you guys last year didn't get to have yours. And I really felt bad for you, but I, I kind of feel like the ladies were extra special. Anyway, so go repent and change. And we always pray, you know, the ladies, that when we come home that everybody who we interact with will say, Well, they are strange, a little peculiar. But boy, it can you can tell that they've been with Jesus. Well, that's the prayer for you guys. And I heard you say on the radio or at the at church one of those times, Pastor, I'll listen to you a lot, man. <laughs> it's all good, but they kind of all, you know, I can't just decipher the days. But anyway, you said, let's not just go up there just to get away from our responsibilities or anything like that. Let's go and really meet with Jesus that when we come home, we are truly changed people. More like Jesus taking the responsibility like you talked with Mike just now, Um be like the obedient Moses not the one who halfway did his job um, and so yeah enduring change so we're I'm praying with thanksgiving yeah. that
2: I think when we read those Old Testament passages we sometimes forget that the penalty for violating the law was death mm. and Moses was the most accountable judgment begins at the house of God mm-hmm. and um, while that sounds so harsh to us um God was forcing their hand. You, you have a choice to make, Moses. You're going to bless me, or you're going to side with your wife. Mm-hmm. And um, and and he, God worked it out. So she got the she got the message. Yes. Paula, we got Brian on line one from San Antonio. Brian, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Well,
1: hello, guys. How are y'all doing?
3: We're Just doing well. Great. Great. Well, I am. Are too. you the Oh, good. Are you the Brian who called and asked about burnout the other day?
1: No. No, I'm not. I used okay. to attend a church okay. a while back, uh, me and my wife, when we lived on that side of town. But we moved across the country over here down near Vaughn Army, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I had called, I don't know, a couple months ago, and I told you guys that my wife – uh had liver disease and cancer in her liver and uh, so she was put on she was put on the list and okay. um and i just want to give you a praise report uh, uh you know my morning I, I get up in the morning and and I, I read my prayer book and i read my bible and then i you know I, I pray and i always i always pray that god would uh, you know give diana liver and um you know and, and until he did to give her the strength and me the strength to endure the, the issues that are coming along. And I guess about two months ago, well, it, July 24th or 25th, I can't remember exactly, but I got up in the morning and I'm praying, and uh, same thing, and something hit me and I said, no, God, no, not w- I, I want Diane to get a liver today. You know, not mean, but I was prompted mm-hmm. to ask today. And I yeah. then finished my prayers, and you know, and two hours later, we got a phone call from the transplant hospital telling her to get in now. She had a <laughs> hostage, so she got her she got her transplant, you know. But you know, I, mm. you can't force God's hand. But you know, something just said no. So just prayed that you want it now, and either it was mm. one heck of a coincidence or it was God. So yeah. um, uh, two hours after I said Amen, uh, we were in the hospital. So. Uh, she got the, the oh, it was the twenty sixth? I'm sorry, the twenty sixth, and uh, she got the uh, the surgery, got the transplant. Uh, somebody from Houston uh, passed away, and they gave three of the more three of their organs. So by giving being a transplant donor, uh, the, uh, three people lived out of out of their donation or their sacrifice. So, uh, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, Lord. I do, mm-hmm. We still need your prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, she she had to put her back in the hospital last night. She's got a small virus. Uh, They're they're putting uh, antibiotics, but up until then, she's been doing wonderful. But uh, I know that she'll come through this. So just just pray for us.
2: Thank you, Brian. I appreciate very much. I'm being told to pass this message along to you, that your testimony confirms that God is always (laughs) simplifying. Oh, I guess. guess, Did you hear
3: that, Brian? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, (laughs) Oh, Master Gunnery. That's right. That's right. Uh, Thank
2: you, Brian. Tell tell your wife we're praying for, and and we're sure this'll will she'll get through it really quickly.
3: Yeah, and Brian, this is very encouraging. Pastor Ron's been trying to tell us for a, a while that the Lord's been saying, "Pray big, pray big." Not like demanding with your fists balled up or anything, but pray big. Um, and that's exactly what you did, Lord. You know that this is the day that Diane really needs this, and so the Lord's kind of like, "I know." <laughs> say amen so i can say yes and let's move on so thank you so much for just reminding us to pray big not demanding but god you can do this if this is in your will um then we're ready so praise the lord thank we you didn't. for calling
2: god bless you brian you know paul and we don't talk about stuff like this i mean i, I don't think i get any questions about it but uh, we we have a, a a young woman everybody's young compared to us but no, just you. I'm well, going just to, me, go to yeah. you. <laughs> okay, But uh, we have a woman who's also waiting for a liver. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it is our responsibility to be um, organ donators. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think there, there isn't a thing in the world that should hold us back. Mm-hmm. I know in San Antonio it's such a superstitious um, culture and people have weird thoughts about death. But there's nothing more Christ-like that we can do than to help somebody live. In our death, yeah. and I, I just think um, um, uh, that that she now is alive mm-hmm. and doing well because yeah. somebody was that unselfish. Unselfish. Yeah. Um, it's just it just ought to be a reminder to all of us. This is a way that we can go out to glory and leave behind the kiss of Jesus. Yeah. So yeah. Brian, I'm I'm really grateful for you, and mm-hmm. I don't know where Von Orme is, but. I've
3: seen that. V-O-N-O-R-M-Y. I've seen that as we've traveled somewhere. So yeah, I'm reminded today, uh, not that it was his birthday, but this month uh, would have been Nehemiah's 12th birthday. And he was an organ. His parents made him an organ donor. And um, he gave sight to, I think, several people. And, uh, yeah, just thank you for his family.
2: Yeah. Nehemiah was only eight. He lived a a life of a hero, and he died a hero. And uh, there are children who are alive and well today because of his generosity. And there was no question ever that that's something he would want to do. Yeah. So um, I think we can learn from Nehemiah and other donors. Thank you very, very much. Paula, let's go to Ray on line one from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
1: Uh, Thanks for getting me on. Happy anniversary you guys. Thank you. Paula. Thank you. I, Thank I, you. I said that to Pastor Ron yesterday and he was well, it's tomorrow. I think, well it's mm-hmm. better than be late. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah. laughs> That's exactly right. I heard I heard that conversation. All Thank right. you, Ray.
1: Well, happy again. Happy day. Um, the, Thank the, you, Ray. The business of Pray Big. Paula, when, when mm-hmm. you were pondering, God, you're good, but you're not that good, and I, you've said that more than once, but uh, mm-hmm. what was it that flipped the switch for you when you changed from that attitude to uh, whatever it takes, Lord, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll let you run with that if, if that's okay, and have a happy, blessed day.
3: Thank you, Ray. You're welcome, Paula? Thank you. Yeah, I was I was convinced not really, but convinced that God was not hearing my prayer. Um, Ron was not not just not changing; he was getting worse. And you know how it says that phrase of "It's always the darkest before the dawn." Um, and I was I had told the Lord, "Look, I'm done. You know, this guy's not changing. I'm doing my part, like I was really doing my part." Um, I'm doing my part. Where are you? <laughs> I'm done, and it was like the Lord said, uh, "Good. Why don't you just kind of get out of the way and let me work with Ron?" And um, I don't know. It was it was one of those things where it's like, really? Okay. The thing I think what happened is Ray, if I, go, if I remember correctly, because I had told Ron that money. Money was his God. It was all about, again, the almighty dollar. And and if you have the most, you're you're the boss of everything. And um, you're successful if you have uh, lots of money, a big house, a nice car, a lot of people working for you and all those things. Um, And when the Lord stripped him of all of that stuff, I was like, oh, my goodness. The Lord was saying to me, look. I will have no other gods before me, and that rang in my mind, and in my heart. And so when I told Ron, and I, I had, I actually had to tell him, "You've made money, your god, and God will not have any other gods before Him." But to see that come to fruition, Ray, even now, um, it's one of those things where, okay, um, not with Ron anymore. I mean, <laughs> I'm blessed, but with anybody and everybody else. God's going to have his way. And so I I, I don't, I hope that's answering your question. Um, Sometimes I forget the, the order of how things happened, but yeah, whatever it takes, we're praying that for our children and grandchildren. We're praying that for some of the people who have, and are still part of Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, but you don't see any fruit in their lives. It's like, okay, Lord, whatever it takes, um, maybe even on their deathbed. There's uh, been quite a few people who have had the virus. This pandemic has really caused some people to look deep inside, um, the ones who have survived. I've had two people just holding on to me so tightly. The Lord brought them through, and now they are so grateful that God has spared them that the whatever it takes, almost dying, has fueled um them. They want to serve the Lord with all of their hearts. And so Lord, we even sing a song and uh Pastor Ron was talking to Elaine and Jocelyn, Pastor Elaine and Jocelyn the other day about you guys haven't sung that song in a long time. The song is If that's what it takes to praise you, Jesus bring the rain. And so we don't really want to sing that song mm-hmm. because that's a Whatever it takes, Lord, um, to praise you. So for me, Ray, it was being stripped of everything, not just Ron. When when he was stripped of everything, so was I. But the Lord let me see that being saved, going to heaven, no longer going to hell and letting anything or um, anyone be the ruler over us besides Jesus was the very most, the very most, was the most important thing because we were no longer going to be going to hell, we were going to be going to heaven, and we absolutely knew that for sure.
2: Yeah, I, let me add to a couple of things, Ray, to that because um, I think I think there's a lot of instruction available to all of us. Uh, Paula had to get to the place where, and God brought her to that place. Uh, it was no longer just, what about me? What about me? What about me? Lord, this guy's a jerk. It wasn't that kind of prayer. But she had to get to that place where she could say whatever it takes, Lord, to bring him to you. And if you have to take everything away from him, then then you do that. And, and God stopped her in her tracks at that very moment. And he said to her as clearly as possible, he spoke to her heart. He said, you know that if I have to take everything away from if I take everything away from him, I'm also taking everything away from you. And uh, he said, uh, uh, are, "Is that okay with you?" And it was almost as though he was giving Paul a choice: I'll end your misery that you've been praying about, but there's going to be a cost. And she really wrestled with that. And and uh, I'm not I don't remember how long she wrestled with it. But eight
3: thirty in the morning
2: uh-huh.
3: is when he asked me that question. It wasn't until five thirty in the evening, like on my way to the church I was going to go to, that I answered him. I struggled with that. Yeah,
2: you know, we were we were very wealthy, and and we she had everything she needed. She used to tell people it's really easy to be a Christian when you got all the money in the world. And um, at this particular moment, she had to make a decision. And when she said, "Okay, Lord," uh, boy, the free fall began.
3: Yeah,
2: the free. And not only did everything go wrong that could go wrong. But, but it wasn't long before we were, we were broke and, and in real-world trouble. I was in real-world trouble. The other thing I wanted to mention um, is that when she wrote in her journal, God, you're good, but you're not that good. In other words, you're strong, but you're not stronger than Ron. Uh, that was only two months before mm-hmm. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Jesus had a chuckle uh, over <laughs> that with, with Paula, and then, and then he brought me to my knees. Good questions, Ray. Thanks very much. Let's go to f- infamous Von Orme now and talk with Scott on line one. Scott, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Good
6: afternoon, Pastor Ron and Paula. Uh, congratulations on your anniversary. Hi, oh, Scott. no, you
3: live out there. Thank Normally you. you
6: hear me from shirts, but uh, Von Orme is actually where I live, so I thought I would uh, let you know that. <laughs> it's it's south, of, uh,
1: south of San Antonio.
6: Right or, yeah, so actually I live in the county, but uh, anyway, I just got to chuckle out of giving you the fun Army, but um, question for you, Pastor Ron. I was visiting with uh, a doctor friend of mine uh, about a week ago, I guess, and he was expressing to me how uh, depression is just absolutely rampant amongst our teens up to people in their 40s, I guess a lot due to this COVID um, issue that's been going on and normally I, uh, I, I don't really do top, topical Bible studies but um, I I, was just, I felt led that I need to, I want to be pre- prepared maybe prepare something on depression what have you and I just wanted to see if you had some suggestions or maybe even um, maybe some sermons that you had done maybe I could listen to online that so would maybe kind of lead me in, into some of the scriptures that would be appropriate. So congratulations again. God bless you
2: yeah, both. Yeah, you know Scott, I, uh, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. You know Scott, if you would send me an email questions at um, calvarysa dot com, uh, so I have your email address. It's going to take a little bit of time to to, to go through and figure out which of those messages work the best. But um, you know, uh, I, I think for depression, uh, discouragement, even. Uh, I think we can read Paul's epistles. I think we can read the Psalms. Um, but, but I think one of the things we have to do is we've got to identify the source of this, this epidemic. And, and depression is an epidemic. We've raised the children in this generation, you said 40 down. We've raised these children. I call them the participation trophy generation. And we've been been telling them that they're, that they're all of that. I mean, you know, uh, you, God loves you. Uh, you should love yourself. I'm so proud of you. And it didn't matter whether they were failing or succeeding. And we haven't taught them to deal with the realities of the world that we live in. And this is a world, Scott, where uh, nobody cares. If you don't pay your rent, you get evicted. Uh, if you don't do your job, you're going to get fired. And that's the real world. And we haven't prepared these kids for that. a um, um, quick story with a, a young man here who was working as a manager at a fast food place, uh, a very successful fast food place, and uh, this kid loves Jesus with all of his heart, and, and one of his coworkers started crying one day because he said that's not good enough. You have got to do this better. People are eating this food, and he said you're bullying me. I'm doing the best that I can, and and you know nobody cares when you're selling food to people. You're responsible to get out that food in the best quality in a timely manner. And, and our younger generation is simply not able to deal with that kind of reality. And apart from Jesus Christ, Scott, there is no other answer. And that's what leads to the hopelessness um, that they feel. And and I would I prefer, Scott, that term, hopelessness over depression. I think depression has become a buzzword and uh, it gives people a chance. Well, I could be medicated for my depression and I'll feel better. They change your chemistry a little bit. And I think, I think the real disease is hopelessness. And um, the only thing worse than no hope is false hope. Mm-hmm. And the world has peddled false hope to them. And now they're, they're in this place where, you know, I'm still living at home. Um, I don't have anything productive going on. Uh, this maybe was cute when I was a teenager, but it's not cute anymore. And the things that they've tried to do um, are, are, are things that have failed. And, um, you know, they simply don't have an answer and I think they get further and further into their own hearts mm-hmm. and minds
3: another thing too with Christians uh, years ago at one of the pastor's discipleship classes uh, one of the ladies I think it was after 9-11 um,
2: no it was it was after was it, was, it was after we had a murder in the church
3: oh yes that's right um, she stood up and said You know, I've been telling my kids for years that if you walk with Jesus, nothing bad will happen to you. So that depression, or better word, hopelessness, is even happening in the church among Christians because we don't think we should suffer when, you know, Jesus hung on a cross after a horrible beating. Um, Yeah, and, and I love how you've been saying, in this world we'll have tribulation. Not the great tribulation, but we will have tribulation. You know, a lot of us aren't prepared for the tribulation. Um, I like comfort, um, but I do realize that that's not an everyday reality. We're going to suffer that hands down, heart open kind of thing where that means you're vulnerable. I don't like being vulnerable either Mm -hmm. because that means you may be hurt again. And in this world, we're going to be... Rejected, persecuted, hurt—all um, those things—and we haven't prepared our children. And a lot of parents have, because they want their kids to have it better than they did. Um, they haven't prepared them to go out and get a job and really see what the real world is like. They've, you know, sheltered them way too much to where they're they're really not prepared for mm. any hardship.
2: You know, Scott. Um, um, thank you for teaching the Bible. That's that's what's lacking. Uh, what's happening in our culture? It's also happening in the church culture,
3: yeah.
2: uh, where we're tickling people's ears instead of preparing them for the world mm-hmm. that comes. In. Pastor Gino, who is doing our men's retreat, uh, we were talking today, and and he is retired. Uh, he's he's working very hard, but he's just re- stepped down from being the pastor of the church that he founded 30 years ago, and his son, his youngest son Uh, has taken over. His son is really gifted. But one of the things he did that I think was just pure genius is before he turned over an established church to him, he sent him out to, 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 uh, um, found another church Mm -hmm. to plant another church. Mm -hmm. And he had to go through the hard things. He had to, had to see God's hand move. Uh, he had to be tough and, you know, it's required that every man given to trust by God must prove faithful. Mm -hmm. That's first Corinthians chapter four, verse two. And he made sure that his son was prepared. So he went out, planted a church, uh, started a successful work there. And then at the I right think time... For three years. Yeah. Then after the right time, he was able to bring him back uh-huh. and prepare him to take over this church. Yeah. But the worst thing that anybody can do to a child is give them too much too soon and not expect them to work really hard. Yeah. Well, Paula, we're inside three minutes now. So you've got the last... Now two and a half minutes. What do you want to talk about? Nope, okay. oh, now we're
3: at two minutes. Okay, two minutes. And I, about the depression, hopelessness. Um, in the meantime, because Psalm 40 is one of the ones that I have tagged for when you taught about depression, where it says, um, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. So that's for you still, Scott. Um, for you guys, I'm praying travel mercies, that the roads are opened up, <laughs> that you will get there. And if anybody, do you guys still have room? If somebody just drives out
2: there, uh, yeah, I got a call. Today. Can I come? Can I still come to the retreat? Mm-hmm, oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. So
2: yeah. Camp Buckner,
3: Camp Buckner in Burnet, Texas. Texas. Dad, Burnet. Dad, Burnett.
2: <laughs> and uh, we start at eight o'clock tonight, and we'll be uh, all day tomorrow, and uh, all morning on a Saturday. And we really expect the Lord to
3: move, yeah, and if you get Sunday. there late they I think they eat brisket tomorrow night at ten o'clock, so even if you don't come <laughs> today i would I would definitely try to get there by tomorrow, yeah. so anyway, yeah, have a great time, um, and you know I love you the way you are, but some enduring changes, uh-huh, and while you're gone, I'm praying that in my quiet time with Jesus, he will do something with me, so. Yeah. <laughs>
2: For the audience, we will be broadcasting live. Pastor Gino and I will be on the air. And by the way, Pastor Gino has his own call-in radio program on the Salem station in Denver. So um, this is something he's used to doing as well. So we will be broadcasting live tomorrow at the same time. And uh, we'd love to have your calls and questions there as well. And uh, Pastor Gina will be speaking here Sunday at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. We'd like to see you there. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow, but I won't be here. I'll be in Burnett, Texas at a.m. 630 The Word at 4 o'clock. See you then.
3: Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.